Welcome to 660amtheanswer.com and the Wells Report podcast page. Brought to you by, well, this introduction and, of course, the very hard work of executive producer Vicki Steifer. Hope you enjoy the shows. Thanks very much again for checking them out here on 660amtheanswer.com. Welcome to 660amtheanswer.com and the Wells Report podcast page. Brought to you by, well, this introduction and, of course, the very hard work of executive producer Vicki Steifer. Hope you enjoy the shows. Thanks very much again for checking them out here on 660amtheanswer.com. Is anybody out there paying attention to what's going on in this country, in this state, and in this city? We know one man who is. You got questions? He's got answers. This is The Wells Report with John David Wells on 660am, The Answer. You are listening to The Wells Report. My name is John David Wells. Our telephone number is 866-660-5759. We have been, uh, we've been treated to senior meteorologist at Fox News Channel and Fox Business Network, Ms. Janice Dean, the weather machine. Uh, she has written a, uh, a series of books, Freddie the Frogcaster. She is out with a brand new one. This is Freddie the Frogcaster and the Flash Flood. And besides, we wanted to talk to her about the hurricanes and all kinds of things. So welcome back to The Wells Report, Ms. Janice Dean. Great to have you here. Thanks for joining us. Thank you so much for having me back. You keep writing these wonderful books, these Freddy the Frogcaster, and this time it's the Flash Flood. But, you know, you've been uh, right on top of everything with these books because children are seeing all these very big weather events and they have got to be incredibly concerned. And you have you have hit this book series right on time. And as a parent, I just want to say congratulations and thanks for all that work. Oh, I appreciate that. You know, when I first started with the series... The main focus was to teach kids about why weather happens. And I know if I wasn't a meteorologist, I would have a really tough time explaining to my kids why a hurricane happened, what's a tornado, what to do in a flash flood, how to prepare and keep our homes safe, that kind of thing. So, um, you know, I'm really happy that the books are hitting home with parents and kids and teachers. Teachers are using them as a tool for their weather lessons. Um, and, you know, I, it was a little idea that is that is spread, and, and I've had nothing but really good things um, being said about the books. Before we get to a little bit more about this one, we're going to talk about Freddie the Frog broadcaster in the flash flood people can get a hold of that on amazon and where great books are sold um i want to talk to you a little bit about this uh, this hurricane season uh the forecasters seem to have got it right on the button lots of name storms and some of them would contact the continental united states they've been right on the button they have been really good with with the fact that we knew that the atmosphere was ripe for a, a strong hurricane season the one thing we can tell you is that, you know, the atmospheric conditions are good for developing hurricanes. What we can't tell you is whether or not they're going to hit the U.S. Um, but you know that if you have an active season, if you have a lot of storms coming off the coast of Africa, which is where the big, bad hurricanes come from this time of year, you know that they're going to have the potential to possibly impact the U.S. And it's been a long time. We've actually had a hurricane drought when it comes to landfalls, and this year has more than made up for that. It was 12 years uh, since Texas saw a hurricane. Harvey formed in a very odd place. You were just talking about the fact that uh, off of uh, Western Africa is where most of these big storms form, but Harvey formed off the Yucatan Peninsula and got all the way to a four before he uh, before he hit Texas. That was amazing. 
Yes, um, but Harvey, if you look back in history of the storm, it did form off the coast of Africa. Oh, it when did. It did, and it made its way across the Atlantic, and it went into Mexico. And we thought Harvey was done after that. And um, the, you know, the core of the storm, that remnant low, went into the Bay of Campeche, which is the Gulf of Mexico, southern part of it, and it 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 it, it intensified into a big hurricane. Um, so we have, you know, we, we can track these things. And if the low m- remains intact, if part of that low remains intact, it continues to have its name. And it did. Um, and, but, but we were watching that and it, it did go into the coast of Mexico. We didn't have a whole lot of time to warn people, but the forecast was right on when we knew that storm was going to to get strong and hit the Texas coastline. It was amazing. It was an amazing storm, Category 4, when it hit the coast, and it was pinned in place by this big high-pressure area over Denver, Colorado. Yeah, so it didn't have a lot of steering mechanisms in the upper levels of the atmosphere. It was caught between two areas of high pressure, one that was across the southeast, the other that was across the Rockies, as you mentioned. And for days, it it didn't. there was nothing to steer it. There was no cold front or trough that would pick it up, which typically happens, which actually happened with Irma. And so we knew um, that the first part of the story was going to be the landfall around Corpus Christi, and then the second part of the story was going to be the epic flooding as the storm was just going to sit and spin and bring in all of this Gulf of Mexico moisture. Speaking of Irma, let's talk a little bit about the devastation in, in Florida. Uh, the storm went right up the west coast of, of Florida with a heavy side, the hard hitting side on the land. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen a storm do that before. Have you? Yeah, I mean, when you look back in history, the great Labor Day hurricane of 1935 was very similar to that path. Um, but it, they're rare. You're right on that one. We actually had to look uh, historically at, at hurricanes that went that route. I know that Donna, Donna was very similar as well. Um, and we, you know, we looked at Andrew for comparison as well because Andrew went through South Florida. So th- there are a few, but the but the one that really looked almost identical was the Great Hurricane of 1935, and that was a Category 5 when it came into the west coast of Florida and was one of only three Category 5s that have ever made landfall across the U.S. She is the senior meteorologist at Fox News Channel. She is Janice Dean, affectionately known as the weather machine, a name given her by Shepard Smith, her colleague at the Fox News Channel. You've been writing Freddie the Frogcaster books. They are universally wonderful for kids, teaching kids about weather. The latest one that you have written, Freddie the Frogcaster and the Flash Flood, this one's important because kids get wiped out in flash floods a lot. Well, unfortunately, flash floods take more lives than any other weather event, including tornadoes, including hurricanes, uh, lightning deaths. Uh, flash floods are the worst. Every year, more people, unfortunately, uh, lose their lives with floods. And it can be avoided. You can, you know, you can survive a flood if you know what to do. Um, you know, part of it is knowing what your surroundings are like, you know, uh, are you near a floodplain? Are you near a river? Are you close to an ocean? You know, those kinds of things you have to kind of take your own personal responsibility and understand your location and your geography um, and whether or not you're prone to floods. And so these things are preventable. The National Weather Service has come up with a great expression 
It sounds a little silly, um, but it will save lives if you follow it, and that is turn around, don't drown. Don't go into water that you can't see the bottom of. Don't travel through it. Don't go through it with your car. Don't walk through it. Uh, and, you know, those kinds of things are very simple, but I think very important to, to remember. Absolutely. There are a lot of ways a flash flood could happen. There are like four or five, aren't there? Absolutely. But again, it, it really depends on, on your environment as well. Like, for instance, when you look at Houston, Texas, um, there are a lot of problems with Houston, and, and it's one of the number one cities for flooding just because of the, where, the geography of it. The, you know, the soil is clay, so it's not porous. It's not like Florida where it's sand and it can, you know, the, it can absorb the water. Um, there's a lot of concrete. There's a lot of interstates. Um, and, you know, you're close to the ocean. So you have all of those things that are working against you when it comes to flooding. I lived in Houston for a number of years. I know that two inches of rain can cause flooding, and I knew the areas where it was flood-prone. Um, so, yeah, a, a, a thunderstorm that dumps a lot of rain in a very short time can cause flooding. Uh, you can get flooding from hurricanes. Um, if you live in, obviously, if you live in places like Arizona, where the water comes down fast and furious and it's like a desert it's going to pool Uh, it's all about knowing what your surroundings are a couple of inches of rain in a desert setting is going to cause more problems than somewhere like the east coast of florida we're on with janice dean the weather machine you're listening to the wells report here on 660 am the answer this book freddie the frogcaster and the flash flood talks about the differences between flood watch flood advisory and flood warning can you go through those with us well, the watch basically tells you that you have flooding conditions within the next 48 hours, uh, 36 hours, and then the warning means that flooding is imminent. It's going to happen, you know, within the next 12 to 24 hours um, and is and or is happening right now. Um, and, you know, it depends on which neighborhood you also live in. Fl- watches and warnings can mean different things for different areas. So you, again, have to really know where your neighborhood is situated uh, because the, the National Weather Service puts out different kinds of watches and warnings depending on where you live and your geography. I see. Yeah, and also when you're in a place like this, it helps to have one of those NOAA weather radios. Absolutely. Because because they'll let you know, too. Yeah, it's really important to have a NOAA weather radio uh, because... The radio is in touch with all of the forecasters with the National Weather Service. Uh, it will go to your localized National Weather Service. And when, if the power is out and you have no way of knowing what's going on, it's battery operated. I think you can also get one that you can crank up yourself. And it will give you the latest watches and warnings and tell you when it's okay to go out inside or when you have to go inside or give you flood alerts or tornado alerts. These are all very important things and messages that we have to have when it comes to, um, you know, when it comes to severe weather events. Janice, Freddie the Frogcaster talks a little bit about preparing a disaster supplies kit. What are your suggestions for that? So this is something that I love to talk about in schools with kids. Um, You know, I will, and you'd be amazed. Kids know what to put in an emergency supply kit. If you tell them that you might not have power for a few days, um, their little hands go up, and they know that they have to have, you know, a lot of water, bottled water, clean water, uh, and not just a few bottles, like, you know, in the gallon range, if you know that there's a potential um, storm on the way that, that where you could lose your power. 
So you need clean water, water and drinkable water. You also need non-perishable food items, um, you know, canned food that will last you for three days, you know, sometimes for a week. I mean, people in Florida right now, they're saying that some people may be without electricity for a week. So just think about things that you will, necessities that you need if you're not going to have power for a week. You're going to need food. You're going to need water. Uh, you're going to need batteries. You're going to need a flashlight. You might need blankets if, it, you know, it's not warm and you need to keep, you know, clothing, uh, that kind of thing, your no-weather radio. So you really just have to think to yourself, if I'm not going to have power for a few days, what are my absolute necessities? A good tent would also be good. Sure. Yeah, you know, they make a lot of those. uh, They make a lot of those now that are very, very light and a lot easier to deal with than the old canvas ones. Um, You know, and that's one of the things that I have in my go bag is I've got shelter for all of us in case there's a problem. I mean, it's It's just it's just one of those things. Yeah. And it's a great idea that you can talk about with your kids and and do this in advance. You know, my my favorite expression uh, came from President John F. Kennedy when he said, you know, Fix the roof when the sun is shining. That that's that says it all. It's all about preparation. Do these things while, when the weather is good. And if you're talking about trying to figure out exactly how to use all this equipment and so on and so forth, there's an interesting little pastime. You can disguise it as camping. And and that's what our parents did way back in the day. Freddie the Frogcaster and the Flash Flood were talking with Janice Dean, the weather machine. This is the fifth book in the series. She has previously written Freddie the Frogcaster, Freddie the Frogcaster and the Huge Hurricane, Freddie the Frogcaster and the Big Blizzard, Freddie the Frogcaster and the Terrible Tornado. This is Freddie the Frogcaster and the Flash flood and you need this entire set as a matter of fact you should jump on this as quickly as you can wherever great books are sold and of course at your very favorite bookstore so your illustrator on this one is russ cox is that correct yes he's been with me all five books he's fantastic and i'm you know so lucky uh that he is basically said if you're going to write a freddie book i'm on board and he really truly is a wonderful artist, but he also understands the weather aspect of it. Um, and, you know, when we go through something like what looks like a tornado, he wants to make sure that the tornado looks, um, you know, pretty accurate. And when we show Freddie going over his maps in his, you know, in his bedroom, uh, he always wants to know, like, does this, is this what an area of low pressure looks like? Is this a cold front? Is this like isobars so he always wants to get the science right behind it so i i adore the man he's fantastic also by the way freddie the frogcaster is certified by noaa the national oceanic and atmospheric administration as a weather ready nation ambassador i think that's so cool yeah we're really lucky i mean uh the weather ready nation is is really important because um it's spreading the word on weather safety and to honor freddie is pretty great uh, for Freddie to help with kids and in schools and teachers with their weather lessons and to be honored by NOAA and the National Weather Service and thinking that, you know, Freddie is smart enough to, to be part of their group of wonderful scientists. That's pretty cool. Janice Dean is our guest. You're listening to The Wells Report. Coming up in just a couple of seconds, we're going to talk a little bit about the differences between 500-year flooding, 1,000-year flooding, 100-year flooding, etc., etc. It's Janice Dean, Freddie the Frogcaster, The Flash Flood. you got to get this book. More about that in a minute. You're listening to The Wells Report. This is 660 AM, The Answer.
If it's important to you, it's on the Wells Report on 660 AM, The Answer. You are listening to the Wells Report. My name is John David Wells. Joining me is Janice Dean, the weather machine. She has written the fifth book of the Weather Ready Freddy the Frogcaster series. This is the latest one that you need to buy for your kids or your grandkids. You can do it at uh, you can do it at any Amazon in a computer terminal near you or any great bookstore where great books are sold. It's off the Regnery label, and of course, that's a part of Salem Communications, which owns this radio station. Janice Dean, the weather machine, we were talking about Hurricane Harvey a little earlier. We were talking about the fact that there was a high-pressure area that pinned him down right over essentially Houston, Texas, and slightly south. And it just sat there and kept raining and raining and raining up to the point where we finally had something called a 500-year flood. I understand I understand these things, but how do they know about like a 100-year flood and a 500-year flood and a 1,000-year flood? What do those terms mean? Well, a 500-year flood is... As a tolerance for risk is uh, the, I guess it's what they correspond to, uh, 0.2%, meaning the flood of a size or greater has a 0.2% or 1 in 500 chance of occurring in a given year. I think that's a little deceiving because we can have 500-year floods twice in a row. Uh, So I think that people like to use those kind of terms to, I mean, it sounds pretty impressive, right? Like one in 1,000 years. But when statistically you're speaking about something like that, there is the possibility to have a once in a 500-year flood happen a couple of times a year. Do you, do you get my, I know that it's, 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 it sounds bizarre, but it's basically you have a 0.2% of a 500-year flood happening. It, that does make sense. It it's does. statistical, and statistics can be confusing, and that's why I don't use them very much. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't because, um, because it can happen, and, it, and it's, it's hard to wrap your head around it to think a 500-year flood can happen a couple of it, – it has happened before where you have this – incredible flood that's only supposed to be once in a 500-year event, and it happens twice in one year. Do you get what I'm saying? Absolutely, I do. I don't like to use that. More often than not, I will use historical perspective. For instance, Irma broke a ton of historical records, once-in-a-lifetime records, in that it was a 185-mile-per-hour sustained windstorm for 37 hours. That has never happened before in uh, meteorological uh, history of satellite presentation. So those are the kinds of things that I use, things that have never happened before or in satellite presentations since we've had the satellite era in the 1960s. We've never seen something like that. So that, to me, is more descriptive than saying a a once-in-a-500-year flood or For another example, Harvey. Harvey dumped 50 inches of rain in and around southeast Texas. Uh, That is the second biggest rainfall event uh, in the history of the United States. 
Janice Dean, the weather machine. Thank you very much for bringing us Freddy the Frogcaster and the Flash Flood. We can hardly wait for book number six. And we want to thank again Russ Cox for all those beautiful illustrations. You can find Janice Dean on Facebook and Twitter by Freddy the Frogcaster and the Flash Flood at major book retailers and also online. I can hardly wait for you to write another one because I get to talk to you again. I will do that right as we get off the phone. (laughs) Janice Dean, the weather machine, thanks so much for joining us. No problem. This is the Wells Report. We'll be back with more in just a moment. The Wells Report. Must hear radio on 660 AM. The answer. You are listening to the Wells Report. Things are getting better in Florida a lot quicker than people thought it was going to happen. But an amazingly destructive storm named Irma. 25% of the homes in the Florida Keys are feared destroyed. Emergency workers rushed to find Hurricane Irma's victims, dead or alive, and deliver food and water to the stricken island chain. Virtually all East Coast customers, but get a load of this, Virtually all East Coast customers of the state's biggest provider of power should have power restored by this weekend. Western customers will be fully up and running five days later, according to Florida Power and Light. Remember, we heard that they'd be without power for weeks. Not so much. Excellent. Why is that happening? Well, I got to tell you, it's because 30,000 out-of-state utility workers descended on Florida to help get the lights turned back on. How cool is that? You know, it's one thing to see various, oh, I don't know, National Guards intermingling to help in in like shelter activities like like we did with the national the Texas National Guard here, Texas Air National Guard, flying people out of the bad zones, bringing them here working with the Texas National Guard, the Texas State Guard. It's one thing to see all those military guys get together and do that. But civilian utility workers? I hope some of them were from Encore. I hope some of them came from here. I'm pretty sure that that's the case. But that is just plain heart It's just heartwarming to hear that people would do that. About half the state's 21 million residents were without power. 30,000 out-of-state utility workers aided the effort to get the lights turned back on. Parts of Florida inching back towards normal. Workers cleared roads, replenished gas supplies. Residents drifted back from shelters and faraway havens. And many flights have resumed all of the flooded streets remain in some areas. President Trump is going to take his wife Melania there in a couple of days, actually tomorrow. My concern continues for all impacted by hurricanes, First Lady Melania Trump tweeted. We'll fly to Florida on Thursday with POTUS to survey the damage from Hurricane Irma. Smashed into Florida on Sunday as a Category 4, 130-mile-an-hour winds. The storm brought havoc to Georgia and South Carolina as well. Irma was blamed for more than a dozen deaths, including at least seven in Florida. At least 35 people were killed in the Caribbean last week. The U.S. Agriculture Department said that Irma's victims, who are recipients of food stamps, can use them for hot food, normally a violation of the program's rules. 
It's also directing Florida and Georgia to issue food stamps more quickly this month. Irma made landfall on the Florida Keys. Then again later on Sunday on Marco Island in the state's Gulf Coast. The storm roared north, flooding streets, toppling trees and power lines, snapping construction cranes across most of the state. Governor Scott said the state's highways and turnpikes were open. A massive effort was underway to get gas to service stations. Roads roads were backed up for miles with residents making the pilgrimage back to their homes. Authorities on the Florida Keys began allowing residents and workers to return to the upper islands of the chain yesterday. Key Largo, Tavernier, Tavernier, and Isla Mirada. The sun was shining. Sky was blue. Damage to the islands, particularly the lower islands, was catastrophic. We know what that looks like. Hurricane Ike leveled Galveston Island. We know what that's like. 866-660-5759 is our telephone number. 866-660-5759. Tragedy. Federal, state, local authorities opened a criminal investigation into the deaths of eight nursing home residents who died of apparent heat-related causes after their facility lost air conditioning during the power outage triggered by Hurricane Irma. Emergency teams descended on the nursing home early Wednesday after police got a 911 call about a heart attack at the rehab center in Hollywood Hills. Hollywood Police Chief Tomas Sanchez said 115 people were evacuated, some in critical condition. Three were found dead at the scene. One died during the evacuation. Four were pronounced dead in a hospital. Randy Katz, the medical director of the Hollywood Memorial Hospital's emergency department, said he found a chaotic scene when he first entered the facility. When we were called to help, we mobilized 50 to 100 of our employees to go across the street and pull all these patients out of the out of the facility to make sure they got to a safe place most of the patients were being treated for respiratory distress dehydration other heat related issues a dozen remained in emergency care by midday today bobby owens manuel mario marietta miguel antonio franco estel hendricks Gail Nova, Carolyn Easterly, Betty Hibbard, and Avertina Vega, all gone. Sanchez said his office is working with the state attorney general's office and federal agencies to determine what kind of criminal charges may be filed against the operators of this home. Eight dead because of intense heat. And then we have this. In the now notorious words of the Godfather, Rahm Emanuel, you should never let a good crisis go unexploited. Well, there have been two hurricanes that have hit the American coast. That means that global warming is, climate change is, the sky is falling it. Yeah, now what we have is we have people saying, now we have to up the ante on all of us 
using the fascist tactic of stomping people who disagree with the the leftist ideology at large or of the day that says, oh, climate change is causing all these storms to be much worse. I'm sorry. A few years ago, there were, what, four hurricanes that hit Florida? I mean, seriously? Climate change? Really? You guys are, I, I, I mean, they have hurricanes every single year. People die every single year. It's been 12 years since Texas got hit by a hurricane. Yesterday, yesterday, Janice Dean, the weather machine, perhaps one of the greatest weather forecasters ever, called it a hurricane drought. A hurricane drought. Year in and year out, the Everglades, based on whether or not hurricanes hit or not, are healthy or not. The Everglades are nourished by those storms, just like they've been for thousands upon thousands of years. These morons actually said that the wildfires were hotter because of global warming. Fire is fire. It's more or less at the same temperature. Idiots. No, 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 the flames are much hotter because of global warming. (laughs) You idiots. Exactly. And what we're going to do is we're going to make fun of people who disagree with us. They're climate deniers. They don't agree with science. No, we don't agree with flim-flam artists. We don't believe in spending trillions upon trillions of dollars and cutting the, the gross domestic product of countless countries in half in an effort to chase... A climate change that in a hundred years still falls within the margin of error. The entire world is going to come to an end because there's going to be more carbon dioxide because, well, plants are going to go along with our plan to create more carbon dioxide in the atmosphere instead of the 0.04% that's in there now. We're going to make it 0.08% and the plants are not going to respond by becoming more lush and actually doing their job better. So what we're going to do is we've co-opted the plants. We're now going to co-opt the mainstream media. And what we're going to do is we're going to create a circumstance whereby climate deniers are made to look stupid. As opposed to us, we intelligent climate believers who say that the world is coming to a bitter, horrible, terrible end because of our own weather, unless we pay politicians trillions upon trillions of dollars. If we don't pay these politicians trillions of dollars, the world will come to an end. If we do pay these people trillions of dollars, only good sense will come to an end. Because we already know these flim-flam clowns are trying to rip us off in the first place. My God, 
global warming. It'll destroy everything. Really? Can somebody tell me how they live in the equatorial regions of the world? Because they live in climates that are far hotter than what we live in, and they seem to be okay. They also seem to wear they also seem to wear fewer clothing, fewer pieces of clothing. And I'm all for that. <laughs> well, I am. Daniel in Royce City, welcome to the Wells Report. Hey, John David. Good, hey. to, good to be here. God glad uh, you're here. Just, I'm listening to you, and I've been listening to Mark on the, uh, obviously, the statue stuff the past week or two. And yes, sir. It just, it just, it all seems to come stemming from, from poor education, or maybe if, if I can coin a phrase, Cliff Notes education in terms of history. I like and that. We're learning this one little point, and 20 years later, you got a mob screaming that one point over and over and over. There's de- the devils in the details all around, and apparently not depth, much depth is being caught, taught either in history or in science. It's completely nuts. It truly is. I mean, in the 70s, we were going to freeze our nuts off, which, by the way, is a small Russian device that uh, calculates the future temperatures in the next couple of days. That's called a nuts off. And, and what it does, it's, it's battery powered. And... Uh, and it would freeze under certain circumstances. No, we were going to have another ice age in the 70s. Now, now of course, we're all going to die because it's going to be too hot, which is, it's only going to be a degree hotter than it is now, but somehow that's going to destroy the whole planet. You know, this, and unless, of course, we pay politicians trillions of dollars, in which case all will be well. Oh, of course, of course. It's, uh, it's, it used to be crony capitalism. Now it's just cronyism. No, no it's it, no, it's it's it used to be crony capitalism. Now it's phony capitalism. Phony goes from crony to phony. I got to be perfectly honest with you. If the entire world can be killed off because of 0.04 increase in a relatively minor gas in our atmosphere, then I don't want trillions of dollars paid to politicians to do all kinds of stupid crap to try to stop it. I want to spend trillions of dollars on on very, very fine scotch, cigars, really comfortable chaise lounges, so that what I can do is as the world gets hotter and hotter and hotter, I can sit out in my front yard in my chaise lounge in my ever-shrinking set of running shorts, sipping on fine single malt scotch, smoking a cigar, and waiting for the end of the, of the world. <laughs> That's right. Matt Swinney has come up with a fantastic idea. We should make it into a giant soap opera. All of this climate change crap, we should turn into a giant soap opera. We'll call it... As the world burns. You know the flames are getting hotter because of climate change. It's true. Ice cubes are colder. And flames are hotter. Uh Uh-huh. Can somebody explain why my omelet gets, gets cold just about the same amount of time it did 20 years ago? Can somebody explain that for me, please? You're listening to the... 
idiots. I- idiots. You're listening to the Wells Report. This is 660 AM The Answer. If it's important to you, it's on the Wells Report with John David Wells on 660 AM The Answer. Kimberly Dvorak, you remember her? She works in San Diego. She's our friend. We like her a lot. She, uh, she's been, uh, she's been taking out the ATF lately. ATF smokes the competition in a new Fast and Furious-like scandal. According to recently unsealed court documents, the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms, and Explosives, okay, the ATF, apparently outwitted its supervisors, auditors, and competition to illegally traffic black market cigarettes and made millions of dollars in the process. According to court documents, two veteran ATF agents, I'm not going to give you their names because, you know, they convinced a little-known Alabama tobacco distributor to open up a new franchise in Bristol, Virginia, so the senior ATF agents could operate and fund millions in off-the-books government operations without any supervision. Ultimately, the ATF operation defrauded state and federal governments of millions of dollars of cigarette taxes, buying low in Virginia, selling high in New York via the black market. It was a gold mine. We basically merged ourselves with the tobacco business. <laughs> it got to the point where, you know, warehouse workers, we were warehouse workers as opposed to criminal investigators. <laughs> See, this is what happens when taxes are too high. A black market occurs. And sometimes, sometimes it's people that should be investigating as opposed to being warehouse workers. You you just got to love it. This is the Wells Report.